Welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of Press Play and Run with me, your host, Ryan Miller. Soon enough, I'm going to get to my usual breakdown of my own running through the week, but before I do, I'm joined unusually by a guest for the first part of the show. So I've got with me today event director with Run Lanarkshire, Dougie Holmes, who's here to tell us a bit about some of the upcoming events with Run Lanarkshire and extending the sort of relationship and partnership that we established last year on last season's podcast for the Run Monklands event, uh, the half marathon. So welcome to Press Play and Run for the first time, but not the last time. Dougie, how are you? Hi, Ryan. How are you doing? Glad to be here. I'm probably giving away our secrets for next season, but Dougie is actually going to be on season three along with another guest because he's got a big upcoming event that we're not going to really touch on today, but that I know you're in training for. So that's the New York Marathon for you. Yep, indeed. Can't and, wait. And how's that training going? I weren't too bad. We're hitting the weekly mileage. I've no the speed sessions and the fun bits round around it. Yeah. But uh, we're four weeks away, so we've almost broke the back of it all. Into the darkness of the 20 mile runs. Indeed, 6am rises and fun stuff like that. <laughs> we did manage to get one run in together earlier and hopefully we will get another one in before you go uh, and we'll hear more about that and all your other marathon feats when you get back because I want to get a taste and a sample of what New York's like and bring a bit of that to the podcast in the next season. But what I really want to speak to you about in the first sort of 10 minutes of this show, Dougie, is um, the Run Lanarkshire work that you do and the new events that you're launching. So can you just tell me a wee bit about Run Lanarkshire, how it came to be and your role within it? Run Lanarkshire sort of evolved for myself and David probably around COVID time when everything started to lock down. Uh, we've been heavily involved in part run for quite a long time. We're involved at Drumpelia as part of event director and run directors up there. And when everything locked down, we wanted a way sort of motivating people to run. We wanted to make sure it was inclusive for everybody to join. So we actually stole an idea through On The Run Cumbernauld um, and did a scavenger hunt each week to begin with, which then evolved into a team challenge. So we ended up having just about 80 to 90 people in teams of four every week undertaking challenges that we were setting them. And we did that for about eight weeks all the way through lockdown. So that laid the sort of foundation for the sort of social aspect that we had. And then off the back of that, we decided as we went into that winter uh, period, that it tends to be a period where a lot of people perhaps avoid going on some runs, perhaps in at the trails and different places like that. So we had a wee discussion and we opened up a run a month. So one in October, November, December, January, February, and March. And then we looked at some trails across Lanarkshire that potentially people would maybe like to run or um, would like to take part in, but potentially didn't know the routes or didn't want to go on them themselves. So we started doing some guided runs. So we did things like the Seven Lock Wetland Trail, Shatley Row and uh, Barnes Hall and Mullerwell. We did some stuff up in Cumbernauld around Croy. We, we evolved that sort of relationship and we built the Facebook page up off the back of that. And we were inviting Jog Scotland groups, running groups, anybody we knew to come along. They're all free to access. We'll be hosting these runs again yeah. uh, over the winter period. I think our first one's the 22nd of October, where we do the Antonine Way. So we take in Croy Hill, Bar Hill, Castle Hill along the Antonine Wall. And we visit the Sylvania statue as well up there. Part of my background is around event because I'm no longer in that role. We're now moving into a space where we're actually going to deliver events under the, under the guise of Run Lanarkshire. Yeah, I became aware of the sort of Run Lanarkshire moniker headline last year for the Monklands half and that wasn't my first Monklands half it was just I suppose I was a bit more dialed into what was going on around it with the podcast and you'd reached out we gave away a place and stuff and that was a great success in terms of bringing people together on the day from the podcast community so I'm delighted that we're getting the chance 
to sort of throw a wee bit of spotlight on the work that you're doing and bring an offer as well for the the community again of places at, at these upcoming events so can you tell me about the dawn to dusk trail series just when they are and what the offer is for listeners of press plane run we've had a few ideas in the background for quite a wee while and i've always wanted to do something around the sort of north calder heritage trail i think it's a great run it's very scenic there's lots of different terrain so we're looking to do something a wee bit different some people might remember as part of the series i did with north lanarkshire we did the jigsaw medals and we combined all the events and yep. built that up so we're going to kick off with one of them so the dawn to dusk event is two events one that will happen in the spring one that will happen in the sort of autumn just before we kick into the winter so we're going to launch dawn event which will take place on sunday the 3rd of march 2024 and it's going to take place on the north Calder heritage trail now as we did with nightlight it's not an overly technical course so we're looking to try and be as inclusive as we possibly can to get as many people involved as we possibly can we're really excited to bring this forward it's going to encompass the north calder heritage trail it's going to encompass monklands canal it's going to encompass airdrie community park and also the ncr 75 dougie is this a, is this like a chip time event yeah this will be an actual event so you will get timed on yeah. it it'll be the same it'll be the same for the dusk event which will yeah. follow this in the october the difference being it'll be the same course except it'll be done in the evening in the dark. Yeah. So it'll be head torches. And what we want to do is obviously bring it to you guys at Press Play and Run and we'll run a wee competition if, so that you guys are the first entrance into the event. So for our listeners to Press Play and Run, we've got two two-person entries available for the Dawn event and we're going to have a draw as well for one two-person entries for the double that gets you into both events. So I think I've yep. got that right and I've said it out loud yep. now. So even if I've not, Dougie's now completely committed to that. If you just look out off the back of this episode, the day following the episode, I will put out the graphics in and around the event. I'll put out what you need to do. You'll share the poster, just tag somebody in. It won't be something that's too intensive for you to enter. And we're looking for you to share it with as many people as you can. Bring eyes to the event and hopefully, is the window for signups going to be open at the same time? Yeah, so what's going to happen is we're going to give the places away for the press play and run yep. community first. And then the day after we award those spaces, we'll open up the actual entry. So it's an exclusive for the podcast. There you go. Don't say we never bring you anything, people. We're bringing you free race entries to a race entry that doesn't even exist yet. That's how well we're doing at the moment. Well, Dougie, yeah. that, that's amazing. And we'll obviously, we're going to hear back from you. I don't want to even get into your running too much because I don't want to preempt anything that we're going to speak about down the line. But I hope that New York's everything you want it to be. I know you've got vast experience to draw on that we'll touch on and hopefully we get that run in beforehand. But I'll be in touch with some winners for you and then we'll help to promote that race when the time comes as well when the entries are actually open so that all the many disappointed people have got a place to go and sign up to sound good here's hoping here's hoping yeah thanks very much perfect well all the best with the rest of your training i'll speak to you soon thanks ryan so there you have it folks we've got an exclusive offer for the press play and run listeners and i'll get that launched as i said following the release of this episode i'll put it out the next day be brilliant if you could get involved and help me get that word out I'm going to keep my own running update as brief as possible because I'm loaded with a cold and nobody has to be hearing this voice for any longer than necessary. Uh, But I had a great run at the weekend in London. If anybody saw on my Instagram, I managed to get a run in with the Scrambled Legs Run Club, which is Johnny Davis, our former guest's run club. I think there were over 100 people running at that. People all the way from making their first 10k 
to 15 through to half marathon and then a handful of us that kept on going that have events coming up like ultras or New York Marathon and the likes and we managed to get to 20 miles through the sunshine down the embankment in London taking in all the sights so it felt like a nice little sort of dress rehearsal for the London Marathon and probably a nicer way to see the sights than it will be on that day when I'm killing myself trying to get a time so thank you to Johnny for having me it was really nice to meet him in person and congratulations on finishing Run the Line, an unbelievable achievement, 572 kilometres in 11 days and then like the whole round onto like BBC News and he's been all over TV, some radio stuff and I've heard them in podcasts as well. So I'm glad we got in there first and managed to secure him before it absolutely blew up. And it was a great weekend, it really was. I met so many nice people. I also managed to get a run in with Patrick Watkins, one of our international listeners. So, Patrick's over in the UK from Baltimore on holiday, and all the way from Baltimore to Cambus Lang, and he ran with the Newton Roadrunners on Tuesday night for our club run. So, that was really nice to meet him, and a couple of people from the community also. Uh, came to meet us afterwards we we spent kind of half hour together after it just getting a wee catch up in a blather and he's off to run with some more people from instagram some more instagram squares in edinburgh i think at the weekend so thank you patrick for making that effort it was lovely to meet you we had a great run and i hope you really enjoy the rest of your trip i've been absolutely delighted with the reaction to the last episode with joanne thorburn from newton roadrunners while we're on the subject of newton as well the episode has done fantastically well in terms of listenership and numbers it just continues to grow but even more pleasingly there's been an uptick in people signing up for the race and I'm just asking again just another plea if you can get involved in that race it's for such a good cause go and have a listen to the episode find out what that race is all about why it means so much to the club and get yourself signed up I know they'll also be looking for volunteers so if you've got like Glenogo 33 the week before and, and you might just not have the legs for the run itself there will be opportunities to get involved in some of the volunteering or maybe even in just some of the social stuff around the race so if you can do it all eyes for me now turn to Sunday and the upcoming press playing run retreat that we've got going on to raise money for the place to be charity which is my London Marathon charity so I am absolutely over the moon to let you know that I am only £40 short at this time of recording of the, the sort of minimum target for London and expect that we'll move past that even before the event comes and I'll be drawing the raffle the following week so it's been a gargantuan effort i've had so much help i'll do the thank yous later but if you're coming to that on sunday looking forward to to seeing you there looking forward to put on a great day for you and and looking forward to sharing that experience with listeners on the season finale of the podcast because this is episode nine it's a penultimate episode i'm not going to give away too much about season finale because that would actually imply that i have a plan in place which i don't really so we'll get to that when the moment comes. Final thing on my radar at the moment is I have a Lululemon Ambassador event in Berwick-upon-Tweed in a couple of weeks where I'm going to connect with other ambassadors, including hopefully former guest Chris Downey, the Edinburgh uh, Lululemon Run Ambassador. So I'm really looking forward to doing that and, and another chance to see just how dreadful I am at yoga. So I know that this episode has the potential to become a longer one. So with that in mind, I'm going to hand straight over to my conversation with my guest for today, Jordan Foster. In this episode, I have the blessing and curse of trying to drill into and distill the story of a runner that seems to have crammed a lifetime's worth of achievements into a prolific few years in the sport. From achieving landmark times at a variety of distances, to topping podiums and embarking in a relationship with coaching on both sides of the coin, she shared every triumph, test and title along the way with a searingly honest social media presence that has grown alongside her. 
All this whilst achieving the ultimate win and becoming a mum along the way. Welcome to Press Play and Run, Jordan Foster. How are you, Jordan? Hi, yeah, yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. We were just chatting before I hit record there. I've followed you for a while, but I've never looked right back through your social media, thankfully, because there's a lot of it. I didn't know it'd been going so long. <laughs> and you have done a lot. So I was thinking about how do I get through this in a sort of hour window tonight? And you said something that just twigged because I've I made a note for myself to go at this sort of three different ways. A condensed pre-baby, pregnancy, <laughs> pregnancy years and becoming a mum and sort of now and that's what you had said that's you sort of define it that way too yeah definitely like I think yeah anyone if they've followed me for a while um or just recently like I used to do a lot more running I mean I still do a fair amount now but I mean and again anyone that's had kids or got kids knows that you can't always do as much once you have them but yeah I kind of look back at my running now and it feels a bit weird sometimes like when I talk to people about it and talk about stuff that I did before I had Gracie because it does feel like a different person and a different lifetime ago but it was still me just a different version of me I guess. That's what I was excited about as I started digging further in it's you have new life experiences probably since the last time I'd listened to you on a podcast even that chunk of time that's passed expectations change and although you seem to be finding a groove again with your running at the minute I can see like a, a stepping up in terms of that consistency of training but you're going through those ebbs and flows that I think yeah. I think everybody will identify with when there's just spells in your life that running can't always be the thing after a period where it's the only thing for a bit yeah definitely and I think for a good couple of years I would say I was very lucky and well, I don't know if lucky is the right word. Like I worked hard. I wouldn't say I just got handed things like or ran really fast times without working hard. But for a couple of years, I did kind of have that. Everything was going well. I was getting faster. I was doing more races. And then 2020 happened. And obviously there was the pandemic, but yeah. also it was the year that I fell pregnant as well. So yeah, and it was kind of these two massive things that everything just kind of stopped I wasn't going out every weekend and running marathons and doing events and planning for these big things everything kind of changed overnight from finding out I was pregnant to then the world going into lockdown and it kind of made me obviously take a step back which looking back and like when I came back into running afterwards I kind of felt like I needed because there's only so long that you can continue to just do race after race and training absolutely train without having a break and I think having that enforced break coming back to running like after having Gracie was amazing and I really loved kind of getting back into it and getting training for a marathon again and then I kind of dipped again because I think again if you've got kids like being a parent is quite tiring so I had a baby I went back to work and kind of running just fell further down the priority list for a while but yeah, I'd say kind of like the last three, four months have really kind of got back into it and yeah. started to like really enjoy it again and love it. And it's, yeah, it's great. It's not luck what you do with the opportunity, but it's luck that I, that your life aligns at a point where you can really prioritise you and you're yeah. running. And, and yeah. we all have those spells again when that becomes easier than others. Kids, 
completely throw a hand grenade into the mix there for you. I've been through that bit myself and COVID, yeah. same when so many people I've spoken to running careers either started or picked up in COVID because they found themselves with more free time. I found myself with significantly less just because of the job I was doing. And also the lack of races killed me for motivation because that's what really drove me at that point. I'm, I'm exactly the same. Like when I speak to people that they're not, they don't do events or they're not really training for anything, but they still get out five, six times a week and train and go and do like speed sessions and long runs. And as much as sometimes it's nice to not have a big goal or like putting loads of pressure on yourself, I do always need kind of something to aim for. So yeah, yeah the people that don't and just get out and run for running yeah, I have a lot of respect for because I need something to kind of motivate me. I yeah. need an end goal. Yeah, I'm the same and, and I get the headspace from running, but it's never enough just for that to sustain like the, mm. the regularity with which I like to train always needs an end point and it's just been the way I've always been wired that way. So I'm going to jump back a bit. We're going to go pre-COVID. We're going to look at that wee early spell in a relatively condensed version. And I'm actually going to give another podcast a shout out here, which is terrible podcast. Um, hosting from me but you did the what the fartlek podcast i think you've been on twice actually you were on once with pete as part of cooper which we'll get to but you also did uh season four episode one and i listened to that today i'd already heard it but i wanted to go back and refresh myself and you had a really good conversation where you really dug into this period of your running so what i would say to anybody is we're going to do a relatively condensed version of this because there's other things i want to get to but mm-hmm. that's well worth a listen if you want to dig back into some of the early parts and the races you were doing, because it really was, I, I think I used the word prolific in the introduction. It was a spell where you were bang, race, bang, race, bang, race, and you just went after what you were stacking up the wins in that period. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was fun. It And uh, like I mentioned earlier, sort of, and like we both said, my life was kind of different before I had Gracie and the pandemic and all of that, like, And again, I know that I was fortunate for that. And I think you mentioned that, like different periods of your life, you can commit more to running. And at that time I was self-employed, I moved to London. So I was kind of really in that running community. Like there's always stuff going on there. And it kind of was my full-time job almost. Like I wasn't a professional athlete, but I did have the time and the hours to kind of dedicate to training and yeah through Instagram and kind of other working opportunities I was really fortunate to take part in some amazing events and marathons and ultra marathons kind of all across the world um and yeah like I said looking back now it's like oh my god I can't believe that was actually me um but yeah I mean I think one of my highlights and again like I said we won't go into too much detail but I think one of my highlights was I went to Switzerland to do the Swiss City Marathon in 2018. So it was in October, actually. It's almost five years ago, which is mad. But that's where I got my sub three. And I think for a lot of runners, that kind of sub three marathon is the holy grail of marathon running. It's what a lot of people work towards. And I remember it was kind of in 2017, I was kind of getting back into running like I was running a bit more regularly and I just said I was like one day I want to get a sub three marathon I think at the time I my PB was like 340 and I was like I don't know I don't know how long it's gonna take me but I want to get a sub three marathon and kind of everything just it happened in a whirlwind and 18 months later I got 
my sub three there. I've never matched it. I've never gone yeah. sub three again, but it's there. But I've, nobody can ever have it back from you. You did it. Exactly. I've done it once. So but I do say now that was kind of my pre-baby PB. So I have yeah. a pre-baby PB and then a post-baby PB as well. Sorry to cut across you and just jump in and parse a wee bit of what I listened to today. You had a couple of learning experiences towards hitting that, but your your act, your speeds came on very, very quickly as you started to dedicate that time to your training. But you've had a London marathon in 2016 that you were juggling with some like obstacle racing at the time. You got your London good for age 2017, you had Paris, but you also had a pretty bad experience at London 2017. And so it feels like from listening today, you're learning along the way that you get out what you put in. And a 2017 experience then goes on to fuel what you do next with the sub three. Would that be accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Like I'd done 2016. I trained really hard for it because it was my first marathon. So I was like, all right, I want to do this properly. And then I just got a bit lazy and a bit, I'd say, cocky about it. Like, oh, I've done a marathon before. It'd be fine. And it doesn't matter if I miss a couple of runs. It doesn't matter if I don't do this. And I went into it underprepared. And yeah, it kind of really hit me during, well, during the race. I got to like 15 miles and just spent the second half of it crying and walking and it just was awful and I remember finishing and I was like I don't ever want to feel like that during a marathon again and that was definitely I think what kind of spurred me on to make sure that I trained properly for the following year so I did London 2018 as well where I took I think 25 minutes off my time I think it was and then it just kind of went from there but I mean I know this all sounds really like good as well but I would say and I've been very like honest about this there was a period around that 2018 2019 where I didn't perhaps always have the best balance with my training um and I went through a stage where I wasn't having periods um, and that I was probably kind of teetering on that overtraining, underfueling. Like it was yeah. never intentional. And I think people always assume that, oh, that she's just not eating enough. But I was eating loads. Like if anyone saw me, they'd always comment on how much I was eating. But just because the amount of running I was doing and yeah, and that's not sustainable. And that's yeah. something as well that since... I did get my periods back and then obviously I was very fortunate that I was able to have Gracie and that's always in the back of my mind now that I know for me that that's a marker that if something goes wrong with that then I need to take a step back and like kind of assess my training or assess kind of how I'm eating and everything else as well so yeah there wasn't always the perfect balance so I'm not going to pretend that there was but again it's something that I've learned from and that I make sure that I have as like I do that as a priority now. I went down the rabbit hole today when I was looking through your Insta and I said there it's a seriously honest account and I think it is because you deal with that issue of like, you know, losing your period through that training. You're speaking about things that now I, I see and hear a lot more commonly being discussed and there are people, you've got Dr. Juliet McGrattan, we've had people in the podcast that are that brought these issues into sort of that mainstream social media space and it's great that you'll always you'll find much more information about it now than you might have even just a few years ago but you're still sharing bits and pieces there's nobody gives all of themselves and you've probably learned that as you have gone but I want to know how formative some of that experience that you had then has become for you now in this coaching world that you find yourself in where you have a responsibility for more than just you how, yeah. how has that shaped you as a coach? 
yeah I think def- it definitely did um and when I was doing my own coaching so for a few years so I stopped doing it now but I was I had a coaching business called PMG coaching yeah. and I did primarily coach women it wasn't that I just coached women only I think it was just that women perhaps felt that they could relate more to me and one thing that I always tried to make sure is that I would have these honest like conversations with my clients and it can be I guess some people don't feel as comfortable talking about it and unlike me people probably wouldn't put it all over their Instagram but I felt with my platform I did have a bit of a responsibility to be honest and share share kind of my experience but I think people like appreciated that from me and that's why they wanted to be coached by me because they felt that they could talk about that and it was yeah about giving that advice and I'd always be making sure that you know my clients had enough rest days or checking in with what they were eating and things like that because there's so much more to like run coaching and running well than just running it's kind of everything else as well that if you're not sleeping properly or I'd have some clients that they'd be working full time and have kids and they'd message and be like, oh, I'm really sorry, but I've been working 12 hours and I've not had any sleep and I can't get my run done. I'm like, please, like, don't apologize. Like, it's fine. And I think that they just really appreciated having that kind of that human, like Mm -hmm. that kind of human side to it as well, because. I think sometimes that can get lost with coaching that it's not just setting a run plan and then that's it. It's everything else that goes alongside it as well. And did you have any kind of battles internally in terms of sharing that where I suppose I've got a wee bit of experience of this in the last six months with what's happened at a much lesser scale because your your social media profile is really, really well followed where people become invested in what you do. That's what I've found. People become invested in your journey because you're sharing, but it also brings with it pressure to share more, if that makes sense. Or And actually some of those days I'm already finding, like maybe even the last couple of weeks have been like that. I kind of wanted to just get withdraw myself a little bit. And then you've got people that are proactively reaching out because they're, they're used to a certain level of openness. And how did you deal with that? sort of growing side of things yeah I think it's it's a weird one because I think I mean I've had conversations with like friends and other people that are Instagram and I do think that Instagram and that kind of social media has changed a little bit over the last few years um and again if you do go back and like look through my profile I did used to share a lot more I would be that person that kind of posted every single day sharing every single run but because running was the main thing in my life it was kind of it didn't really feel unnatural just sharing everything whereas now because my life there is still running but I've also got a full-time job I've also got Gracie I've also got other things so I'd probably say that I've stepped back a bit from sharing as much and I don't want to give this too much airtime um, and I don't know if you're going to ask about it, but I think over the last couple of years as well, been dealing with like trolling on social media. Um, I don't want to mention the name of the website, but I'm sure everyone's aware there's this not very nice website where people go on and just basically slag off influencers or people on Instagram they don't like. And 
Um, for a while, I was a pretty big target on there. And I think that made me kind of step back a little bit from it, which was sad, but I've kind of got too much other stuff going on now that... Yeah. I, I was going to touch on it. I wasn't going to go down the, I wasn't going to go too far down that track, but I did notice naturally as I click through your post today and I'm looking, it's like, oh, okay, you're dealing with things that, that have never been on my plate at all. Because I think there's, it's a very different space for mm. a male, particularly for like myself, middle, sort of middle aged male, than it is for at that point even younger than you are now, young girl, and you're putting yourself out there, young lady putting yourself out there. And I could see front and centre some of the less kind comments and actually just well out there comments of, well, nobody asked you to share this. And you're thinking, you've come out your way to write that. So that world of online trolling is not new to me, given the job I did before as well. It's something I've dealt with. It's horrible, horrible, horrible place. I wasn't going to go too far down that track. But again, it helps to shape you, doesn't it? And it helps you to understand what's important and what what you're happy to put out there. But I think, yeah. And I think I did used to share a lot more kind of personal stuff and like, again, things with these are my periods and when I was pregnant and having Gracie. And the reason why I did keep sharing that stuff is because whenever I did share something that was maybe a bit not taboo because they're not to be subjects but maybe a bit more personal or an issue I was dealing with I'd always get messages from mostly women other women saying that they were dealing with the same thing or they've gone through it as well and it kind of encouraged them like I had so many messages from women when I talked about periods that they'd gone through the same thing and it made them then go and reach out for help and and things like that. And that's kind of the side that if someone just looked at my profile, they wouldn't necessarily know that. I might just think, oh, why is she sharing that attention no, seeking? Yeah. When you do have when you do have followers, and I don't have a massive account compared to some people, but again, I think when you do have a large amount of followers, you are reaching you are reaching people and people do kind of take an interest in what you're saying. And yeah, I think if you can share stuff that is going to help somebody else, then it's kind of worth it. Yeah. And it can be hard to hold on to the fact that you're not sharing it for the trolls, you're sharing it for the people that will get something from it. And I had Pete on and we spoke on that episode about grief unplanned and the number of messages you get sort of behind the scenes that are just not out there because not everybody's comfortable talking about it online. No, That's helping countless people to regulate their emotions and even just think about or say something out loud and so more more kudos to you for doing that and it's these these trolling situations i don't need to patronize or tell you anything it's always a deficiency with the other person not with what you're doing there's always something lacking in that person's life it's but it's a very different space for females and i'm not sure that's changed at the rate that that we sometimes give ourselves credit for i think it still exists out there especially when you've got girls putting themselves out there in these sort of influencer type they're just doing their thing you know they're just trying to enjoy their life and that somebody's always got a, a comment but hopefully yeah. the running space for me has been an absolutely positive one hopefully it gets more like that for everybody else coming through as a result of calling these things out yeah i hope so i think obviously there is a risk isn't there if you put yourself out there there might be someone that doesn't like it whereas and i think before though it used to just be oh you don't follow that person or maybe you'd say to your friend oh do you see what Jordan posted? She does my editing. 
But now there's this platform where people can go on and hate feeds hate, doesn't it? So if one person writes on there that, oh, blood, did you see what she posted today? Bloody, bloody, blah. And then it just they just all encourage people, each other. People but... can proactively sign on a platform, follow you to tell you what they don't like. <laughs> it's, it's wild. Yeah, it is a funny world, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but the good news is you can always run away from them because with a sub three marathon, there's a fair chance they won't catch you. <laughs> That's true. I want to touch a bit on the ultra because I know you glossed over you did gloss over it. That wasn't just any little ultra either. Can you tell me about it, please, the Jordan? <laughs> yes. So in 2019, um, I was very fortunate to be invited from by Ultra X to go out to Jordan and run the Ultra X Jordan race. So it's two it was 250 kilometers over five days in the Wadi Rum Desert. I'd never done anything like that before. I think when I kind of agreed to do it. I'd done a 50k and I had a 100k coming up. Was it? I did race to the race stones. To the stones. Yeah, I saw that. That was my warm up race. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd never like ran on a ran in the desert. I'd never done anything like that. But I was very much going through the time in my life where I could just say yes to anything, and I was like, well, I'll give it my best shot. What what can go wrong? And yeah, it was absolutely incredible. One of the like best experiences of my life. Like when I remember forever and I'm very fortunate that like I'm very glad that I did it and said yes and I know you're probably going to mention it but so I'll mention it first I did win yeah I, came first I, I absolutely was going to mention it. um yeah I, again it feels weird saying that now but I didn't go with the intention that I was going like to win I thought I'm just going to complete like just completing it is I don't enough. even think you could go with that intention you wouldn't have a clue what you're capable of at that point <laughs> and I think the first day the first stage I came in first female and I was like okay I was like have I been a complete idiot here am I going to be broken I've still got four days left the second day again like I just kind of went out and ran I didn't like I didn't go out thinking right I've got to come in first but I managed to yeah come in first female again um and then by the time it got to day four I was like right I've got to... <laughs> the competitive best saying you're not catching yeah. me now <laughs> right, I've, got to, I've got to keep this now I was like I can't lose it on the last couple of days but yeah so that was that was an amazing experience and I think there's probably not many people in the running world that can say they've won a race that's named after them even though it's not named after me but yeah so I've got a trophy that says Ultra X Jordan and Jordan there's not many people that can say they've won a race never mind one that's named after themselves in a foreign country over like a gazillion kilometers so no it's a massive achievement and the fact you thought I might not mention that you won is wild I would have made I, I would mention you finishing first at a park run I don't know I just get really like awkward about things like that like I never like mentioning that oh yeah I won or just feels I, like I'm bragging I'm going to make the, the episode title finishing first in ultras with John <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you also in 2019 did the New York marathon as well so how many majors are you at actually coincidentally that is a good question London Berlin New York three three that's yeah halfway there halfway there I mean I know for a lot of runners like completing the majors is their kind of big goal but 
it's never really been a massive kind of goal of mine. Um, I would like to do them all at some point, but I think like obviously Boston would be a great one to be able to do, but I'll be honest, it's just so expensive. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) There's other races that I kind of like to do. And now that I've got Gracie as well, I kind of feel like, Oh, I can't really, can't really go to America. You've got plenty of time without, without taking her to Disney World first. New York, like it was my first time going to New York. I'd got into the ballot, I think the year, like either the beginning of the year or the end of the year. I can't remember when it was. Um, but it was actually four weeks, three weeks after the Ultra X race in Jordan, and it wasn't fun. I'm not gonna lie. No. Um. <laughs> Oh, well, no, I mean, that's, that's not, you've not recovered, have you, whatsoever? No, not, I was not recovered at all. I think I took two weeks off after Jordan and had just then done like really short, easy runs. And I kind of thought like, oh yeah, it'll be fine. I'll just kind of get around and enjoy New York. But I I got to the halfway point and felt pretty good. I remember that. And I was like, okay, this is all right. Like I can just keep going. And then it was almost like my body just went, no, you're not no. doing this now. And like, I've I've actually it, seen you online being a big advocate of resting properly after these massive efforts. Now I saw you giving Peter out after after Tokyo actually because he was trying to do like two marathons quickly, wasn't it? Was it Leeds yeah. or something? Yeah, well. I was going to say yeah. I tell Peter off all the time. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm always telling him to rest, and he's like, "What about if I do? I'm like, no, yeah. just rest." I know. Yeah. It's difficult, it's really difficult because actually sometimes your body feels okay, like it feels like you can run. Yeah, it is. Um, It is difficult and it's something that I used to struggle with, but now I kind of relish in it. Like I'm looking forward to like I've got my marathon at the end of October and I'm already like I'm quite looking forward to having a week off like afterwards and not having to worry about doing anything. But again, I think social media going back to that I think that has a part to play in it as well that you'll see some people that they'll run a marathon and then on the Monday they're like oh just going out for my recovery run and bloody bloody and it makes you think oh crap should I be doing that but I always say that look at the elites and yes I know we don't run the same times as them but they do recover after a marathon. They do have rest. They don't go straight into another marathon training block. Yeah. They will have kind of downtime and take it easy because your body needs it. Like running a marathon, you batter in your body. Like yeah. you're going to be depleted. Your muscles are going to be torn and need to repair. So yeah, yeah, I'm a, I am now like a big advocate for resting. But it's a, the online's not a great space for that because that grain culture is glorified and. So for every person that's telling you to rest, you've got somebody telling you it's time to go and carry the boats and the boats won't carry themselves and shouting and swearing and telling you just to get up and man up. And so all of that type language, if you're, yeah. new, if you're new, as much as you can laugh about it, if you're experienced enough, if you're new to it, it can be, well, what, what should I be actually be doing here? You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think the internet, like social media is great. And again, it can be really like motivating and, depending on obviously who you follow and like how your feed is created and like who you see on your algorithms. But yeah, they're definitely like, there have definitely been moments, not so much now because I'm more confident with kind of what I'm doing and not worrying about comparing to others. But I'd say, yeah, a few years ago, like 
I would com- like compare myself a bit more and be like, oh, they ran, they ran the same time as me the other week and they're back out running or doing this or they're doing a track session the week after their marathon. I don't feel ready to do a track session, yeah. but is that because like they're fitter than me or, and yeah, it is really yeah. hard to compare, but I think it's definitely an age and experience thing. The longer, I've, the older I've got, I'm just like, do what you want. Uh, you become more, you do, you become more secure, whether you're right or wrong, you become more secure in your opinion. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to circle back later to, I, I want to ask a wee bit about coaching um, because I only realised today who you were coached by was a former guest of the podcast as well. Oh. Yeah, so I didn't know that until I heard you saying it on that other podcast and I'm like, oh, right, okay. So I'll, I'll come back because I want to ask about the coaching as a sort of um, umbrella. But let's get to the pregnancy years and the COVID shutdown and what that does because at this point you've been on not without its blips, because that's just not real life, but you've been on the up and up and up and you're getting faster and faster and faster and you've had opportunity after opportunity and you're grabbing everything with both hands and then double whammy, pregnant, COVID, practically. The world stops and your world stops all at the same time. So how did you deal with that in terms of, first of all, your exercise and then the mental bit that goes with it? Yeah, so I found out I was pregnant in February 2020. So that's when the world was sort of still normal. And I'll be honest, at first, I kind of thought that I was going to be one of those super duper pregnant women that was still going to be going and running marathons because I actually had a London marathon place for that year. And I'd worked out, I was like, right, I'll be about 16 weeks pregnant. So I reckon I could still do it. And I'll just run slowly and and then that didn't happen. I, yeah, the first trimester was, I was just knackered. I was really tired. I hardly ran um, because I just felt sick or wanted to sleep all the time. And then as I was getting towards the end of the first trimester, that's when lockdown happened. So that's when everything obviously started getting cancelled and we got those crazy rules that you could only leave the house once a day and which is just madness thinking about it now. It's like another world, doesn't it? But I think to be honest, once I'd kind of accepted, like not accepted the pregnancy, but kind of listened to my body a bit more, I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to use this as a way to have a bit of time off, not be training for anything. What's the point? I'm pushing myself like, I couldn't go to the gym, which is one thing that I'm really gutted about because I think I was kind of looking forward to going to the gym a bit more, doing some swimming and being able to cycle as I wasn't running so much, but I wasn't able to. So I just took it really easy. I think on average, I probably ran three times a week, but I would mainly, I think the furthest I ever ran when I was pregnant was 10k because I had no desire to be out running for longer than an hour. I know that everyone's different and it's amazing, like seeing what some people can do. But, and again, at the time, I think I did compare myself a little bit to other women online. And I think because of my background and how much I was running before, when we announced that I was pregnant, I think everyone else had this opinion that, like I got messages from people being like, oh, you'll be fine. You'll be able to do this, this and this. And once you have the baby, you'll snap right back. And yeah. I think even when I was pregnant, I was thinking, I was like, oh God, everyone's going to be expecting me that I'm going to be like running a sub 25K a week after giving birth. Yeah. 
and it just wasn't that wasn't my experience I gained quite a lot of weight um I blame COVID for that because there was nothing else to do apart from get takeaways so (laughs) I kind of cut my exercise right down and then wasn't really doing much else either so yeah I think I just had a very normal pregnancy but I think my body like I said I think my body needed a break from training for something and always pushing myself hard um and then when Gracie was born I ended up having a c-section so I didn't run for I went for my first run when she was 11 weeks old and again I kind of thought when I was pregnant that I'd be itching to get back to running again speaking to other like pregnant women or women that had had babies they're like oh I couldn't wait to get back and exercise and going out when the baby was like two three weeks old but I'll be honest I was just so knackered that exercise was the last thing on my mind um if anyone followed me around that time they will probably remember that Gracie did not sleep as a child unless she was being pushed around in a pram so I pretty much spent every day for the first few months of her life walking around South London trying to get her to sleep please please go to sleep so I had no energy to run um but yeah yeah, I remember my first run back I kind of went into it thinking uh I did a lot of running like before I was pregnant I did run up until kind of 34 35 weeks I should be fine I was like I'll just do like I think I tried to run a mile and I was like I'll just do that walk and then try and run another mile And it was so hard and it just felt horrendous. And I kind of persevered with that for a couple of days, just trying to run without walking. And then I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to go back and do couch 5K. Yeah, I saw Um, that. I loved, I actually loved the fact that you not only did that, but that you posted about it at the time as well, because I think you need to park your ego at that point when you've been where you were. And as you said, people are foisting their expectations on you usually from a good place it's because they see you as they see the nice bits and the glam bits and the fast bits and you know but you quite openly said i'm doing couch to 5k which you would associate with a brand new runner but yeah but again formative from the coaching side of things different point in your life tell me about it yeah and it do you know what it was at first i was like i can't believe i'm having because I'd never done couch 5k like even when I started running I just used to go out and run it really helped though because even though like the first couple of weeks for anyone that's not done couch 5k I think you run for like a minute I think it's one minute intervals and then you have a break and then run again and even though that I felt like I could do it and I could run for a minute it was nice to know that I didn't have to push myself more yeah Um, and yeah I think I got I did it for seven weeks and I think by the time I got to seven weeks I kind of got to that 5k level and I was just like right I'm just going to do my own thing now but I'm really glad that I did it because when I was just trying to go out and run it was just making me miserable because it was really hard I wasn't enjoying it whereas by taking a step back and doing couch 5k I was able to kind of build up gradually my fitness was improving as I was Mm. doing it and it kind of just felt like every run was a massive achievement. Like even if I was only running for three minutes. Yeah. I've got some friends who are former footballers and we all played football together and then we all stopped at the same time because you get old and decrepit and you can't, your body can't do it. 
and they've tried to do the running bit and they can't they can't and i'm doing the air quotes they can't do it because knees are they can't do it but but actually usually what it is because we've all had those knocks is just that thing there of they're stuck they're out trying to run 5k in the first hit after not doing anything for sometimes years because yeah. here in their head it's like but i can see but you're suffering mm-hmm. and you're hating every run and you just will not stick something that you hate yeah. that much and then i've been trying to encourage some of them to go you know lamppost to lamppost or couch to 5k or whatever it is and just because yeah. you can do something doesn't mean you should and try and find your enjoyment no exactly and i've had this conversation with so many people like again lots of women that are coming back from having child like having a child or maybe someone that's been injured for a long time and is coming back to run in yeah and i just always say like drop your ego yeah the people that are, the people that have got a sporting background are the absolute worst for it because yeah. because but that is it they're we've still got stuck here ego. in their head yeah we've all got this ego that think oh i don't need to do that because i used to run or i did this and and i say to people i'm like look the year before I had a baby, I won the Ultra X 250k in the desert. I got a sub three marathon and I did couch 5k. Yeah. So if I can do it, you can do it. Which is why I think it's so important that people you share that because exactly if you're doing that, then who's got the right not to think yeah. that they, they can or should? Um, exactly. And I think what I also say to especially like women that are coming back from childbirth is that you don't have to rush it. And it's much better, like so much better for you to finish a run and think, do you know what? That was pretty easy. I probably could have done some more rather than finishing a run and being like, oh my God, that was horrific. I'm never going to get back to running again. And then you don't go out running for three days because you hated it and you put it off. Whereas by doing something that is a bit more manageable, you're finishing it and you're going to feel really good because you felt like you've achieved something and that it went really well. Yeah. So, and there's progression. Yeah. You've got progression all the time right yeah. through that. And I want to fast forward again, flip that forward to show you went from five, uh, sorry, couch to 5K. And by that May of 2021, you're back under sub 20 for your 5K. You're back mm. at a 310 marathon in September in London. So it's that. That couch to 5k is just a point in time, reflective of where you were. It's not where you're always going to be. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really hard to sometimes look at it. And I'll I'll admit, like, there were times when, because I started couch 5k in that January, so January 2021. And I knew that I had London in the October. And there were times where I was like, how the hell am I going to go from doing couch 5k to be getting up to running a marathon? But you do forget like running especially if you have run before and I'm not going to pretend that it will be the same for everyone obviously I did have a lot of prior experience but for that short period of time like I was almost like a beginner again um but yeah sometimes you've kind of just got to not focus on what you want to do in six months or 12 months time and just focus on that and yeah I mean I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't done couch to 5k I probably would have just stuck with going out on these runs and absolutely hating it. Maybe not even wanted to get back into running properly because I'd convinced myself that it was horrible and that I was worried about it. It's actually a trap that I can fall into myself sometimes looking too far ahead in the plan and thinking, oh my God, how am I going to manage? Whether that's the paces or the volume 
or sometimes just the number of sessions. It's so I'm, I'm in ultra mode at the moment and looked made the mistake of looking forward the next three weeks heading to peak for me. And I'm like, oh, that's going to yeah. be like, I do. and it's those long runs. It's it's looking to the out of every Saturday or Sunday back to back and thinking, oh no. And I'm already dreading things three weeks away when actually I had a wee conversation with somebody right. this morning say, oh, that's your fault. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> I, but actually when I look and break it down, every round is attainable and doable and achievable. I just need to stop looking ahead and, and stay where yeah. I am just now because it's a point in time and but it's very easy to let the head go mm-hmm. yeah exactly and that's what um I think you were gonna go on to Cooper as well but like I have that conversation a lot with people like using the app that are perhaps signed up for a marathon next year and they're panicking about the marathon in April or May yeah. and I'm like look don't worry about that yet come on like we've got six months we're going to focus on getting your 10k first yeah and then we'll build up to that and then we'll worry about the marathon but it is hard like to not panic about it but it just seems so inconceivable that that you can be in that place especially if you're coming from being relatively inexperienced over distance like I was last year a marathon feels a world away from 10Ks and even the odd half marathon. To, f- to yeah. think when you finish a half marathon at effort pace, oh my God, I need to do that again. It just, you 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 would never do it if you actually just let your head dictate it. But I, if you just keep focusing on the next session, you're all good. I always say to people, like when you're marathon training, so like the first couple of weeks marathon training where your long runs aren't that bad, like maybe you might start off at like eight, 10 miles. But at the time going for a 10 mile run when you've not done it for a while feels like a really long run then you do marathon training you can see you go up and up and up yeah. and you peak and then it comes back down and then by the time you get to the end of it you're like oh i've only got to run 10 miles I know. today That's I know. <laughs> exactly whereas 16 weeks before that you're like oh my god i've got to run 10 miles yeah. whereas yeah. you get to the point where you can just run 10 miles without thinking about it 10k used to be my long run Jordan and now I'm like yes I've only got 10k today it feels like such a win I know that's a warm-up I know no and and it does it just completely flips the psyche I do want to it's a nice segue into Coupa and coaching more generally so we will touch on Coupa through this but Mm -hmm. you were a running coach and you got a running coach so you became a coach with a coach and I, I read something or I heard something I can't remember where where it was and you said you could be guilty at times of setting sessions that you like for yourself um when you're coach, when you're coaching yourself so can you talk to me about maybe first of all what you learned through getting a coach and why that worked for you at that point mm-hmm. yeah I think and I've had that question before like you're a coach why would you get a coach and I think a lot of other coaches that I know as well whether that's a running coach or a PT like I know PTs that will have their own PT and it sounds silly because yes, you know what you need to do, but I think for most people, most most of the time when they get a coach, like a one-to-one coach, it's not even the plans as such. It's more having someone to kind of talk to you about your training, tell you to either not be an idiot, tell you to take a rest day or kind of give you permission to rest as well. But yeah when I did try to self-coach I definitely was guilty of that I'd be like oh, I don't really want to do that session yeah. oh, I'll do this one instead because I know that I like it or you kind of feel like you've got no one checking in on you even just to kind of say oh that one run went really well well done or 
okay do you need an extra do you need an extra rest day do we need to swap things around it's just having someone else to take care of it and I think it was especially important well I wanted a coach after I came back from having Gracie because having a baby is you know it's hard work I was then going back to work myself and I just thought you know what I don't want to have to worry about my own training I want someone else I worry about 30 40 other people's marathon training yeah I want someone else to take care of mine so I I use Cooper you are a head coach with Cooper and partnerships manager with Cooper as well but that's what Cooper does for me as well it's different because I don't know enough or maybe I now know enough that I could get myself Mm -hmm. through a marathon plan I think I probably do now through my club and and all that stuff but see taking all the thought out of it that's yeah. the the biggest appeal to me is the variety of sessions and I don't have to think about it I just look at it and like okay I can juggle the days if I have to but mm-hmm. but that tells me I, all the thoughts out I just need to actually think about getting out the door and yeah. doing that session so I completely understand that accountability wise and pastoral bit I think that's why I always shied away from my coach I didn't feel like I needed that or really wanted it but yeah but I have found that I get the best of both worlds there informally because there are people like yourself and there's Pete there and you know you gave me a row about not feeling on a run recently that I was like I didn't even know you were watching but I shouldn't have said that <laughs> out loud but Pete will check in as well every now and again and just see how you're yeah. going so you've got that little pastoral bit there that you're but it's not about each run every session um although you're getting that feedback through the social platform so can you talk to me about the difference between that online platform and how you're adjusting your coaching to what you'd have done when it was PMG and, and what that dynamics like for your clients, if you like. Yeah. So when I was, when I did PMG coaching, um, after I came back from having Gracie, I kind of decided that I was going to take on a few less clients because I didn't have as much time, but also I wanted to dedicate more time to each of my clients. So they we'd have like a whatsapp group so everyone would kind of talk in the whatsapp group and then I'd have regular catch-ups over zoom with clients as well just to kind of talk about their training but like I said sort of at the start of um the start of our chat today a lot of the time we wouldn't even end up talking about training it would be other stuff kind of going on in their life as well because again I think we kind of forget everything else that can impact our running so we might end up talking about if they've had a stressful week at work or they might just come and say to me, oh, Jordan, my sessions haven't gone very well today and say this, this and this. And I'm like, okay, right, you went out at six in the morning. Did you have breakfast before? They're like, no. I'm like, right, okay. So you went out to try and do a really hard speed session. As soon as you got up, you hadn't eaten anything. And it's just things like that, that sometimes people, they'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I'm like, right, okay, next time, make sure you have something to eat. And if you can't, then move the session to a day where you've been able to fuel properly. And again, I think it just goes back to that kind of accountability. And I guess, yeah, that is the main difference with Cooper. You don't have someone one-on-one checking in with you, but we do have the chat to coach function on the app as well. Um, for anyone that doesn't use Keeper, so you can message in with any questions you've got about your training and either myself or Pete or Dan 
through our team of like running support um, advisors will get back to you and be able to help you. And again, it's not even just talking about the plan, like they might be able, be able to give you advice, kind of anything running related, really. Listeners to the, to the show know Cooper, know of Cooper, because I've had Pete on, as I said, I speak about my training and I've been using Cooper the whole time I've had the podcast. It's been seven or eight months, I think, maybe nine months now using it. And it just works for me. It just it gives me everything I need. But I know one of my close friends is coached by Joe, running Joe as well. And and she has that pastoral relationship with Joe too. Yeah. And I think as much as she gets the training from her, and I know that obviously she's an expert on what she does as well with her, the actual training sessions, it is the pastoral side of it that Kirsten, that Kirsten benefits hugely from and and, yeah. and that understanding, especially from another female of just some of those tests that can be in the working week of trying to fit in, you know, an ambitious marathon plan. So something yeah. something will work for everybody, but not everything works for everybody. I think it's one of right, those exactly, things. Exactly. And sort of we understand that we're not, we don't ever say that like Cooper can replace everything because there will be people that will benefit from having a one-on-one coach or that's what they want but obviously there is a cost to that as well so want to make Cooper and we want to make running plans accessible for everyone and not just you either afford you can afford an online one-to-one running coach or you have a free pdf plan we want to sit in the middle which is where to be honest most of us are like not not everyone can afford the kind of luxury of having a coach but I actually use the app now as well I saw that, yeah. Yeah. so um and it's weird because even though it's the plans that I've made it still doesn't feel like it's my plan as such because again it's just on the app and for the same reasons as you I love it now that I just have to look to see what I'm doing send it to my watch and then that's it I don't have to think about it and I can move things around which I do probably more than I should I don't think I've done a week where I've not moved at least one running around I, I, I usually have to move something I try and keep I try and keep a sense of the structure because I know that it's designed in such a way especially with the ultra plan the back-to-back long runs like they are they carry their own benefit so I'm trying yeah. not to mess with that but, one but sometimes I'll switch out an easier run with a steady run or, or like it depends on the time that's I have life. but that is life and like we understand that as well that's why the app has been designed that way and that's why you can move things around because in a perfect world yeah you you could stick to your plan 100% but that's why people struggle with pdf plans yeah because you might be busy at work or not have childcare or something you miss a couple of runs and then it's like oh crap what do i do now do i yeah. double up or do i miss this whereas yeah, I like it that you can move stuff around. It's I just, definitely, I love the definitely. thought of you opening up the app one day and getting a session thinking of oh, and it was actually you that caused it. Well, that that's what happened to me today. Uh, every time you open a speed session, like who did that? No, honestly, like the one I had today um, was horrible. Seven by five minutes and I opened it and I've been dreading it because I knew it was coming. And I was like, why did I put this in? This is absolutely horrific. <laughs> Well, do you know that fills me with a wee bit of joy that you're feeling the same pain that, that the rest of us are feeling and you're you're yeah. This is your fault. Yeah. You're doing. I know. Um, I can't even be mad at anyone else. And and Coop has moved into the world of ultra running, which I have been I was part of that early testing phase, then withdrew from the ultra I was doing because I injured myself and now I'm back oh. on the hunt again. So that's where I'm at currently is training for my first fifty kilometer in November. 
but you're training mm-hmm. for a marathon. I am, yes. I'm doing um, Snowdonia Marathon at the end of October. Is that as hilly as it sounds? So you don't summit. It's it is a road. It is a road marathon. Okay. But I didn't look at the course map for quite a while, and then I looked at it a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, "Oh bloody hell!" There's basically a two, it looks like a two mile climb at like mile twenty three, oh. which is really not what you want in a marathon. Nice. Um, but yeah, I'm not going for a time. It's not a time goal one. It's just I want to run it and feel good um because yeah it's not one that I'm going to go for a PB but I'm doing um Seville Marathon in February okay nice so that will be one where I'll try and go a bit quicker but I've also got other things that I'm enjoying like I've shared it a little bit on Instagram and I've started really getting into high rocks so you've got Seville in February yes and I've got London in April April yeah then you've got to the thing I was going to ask you about we're both doing high rocks are you doing it? Yeah, I signed up. Remember, I spoke to you about it ages ago. I signed up. The Manchester one? Yes. Ah, amazing. Yeah, so I'm going to be at High Rocks. I'm going to be oh. trying not to be the last middle-aged, baldy white guy that finishes. No, you won't be. Are you doing solo? Solo, yeah. Me yeah. too. So you have been doing the oh. opposite than I have because I've been watching some of what you're doing in your workouts. You've been in classes You've engaged with the community, but I think you might actually be much more comfortable in a gym than I am. I've been working away solo and hating my life. Uh, But this is, I I was doing so little strength and conditioning, even in the stuff on the Cooper app was a stretch for me, all the bodyweight stuff. So I'm like, need to get my finger out here for London. This is all geared towards London for me. You have thrown yourself at this high rock stuff. I love it. How are you feeling about it? Talk to me about it. I'm excited. I think I've never done anything really like that before. And my, so yeah, the gym that I go to, they started doing, they became like a high rocks affiliated gym earlier this year. So they do regular classes. I think they have like five or six different classes a week. I don't do that many. I do one, maximum two. So I started going along to them and I basically, I'd always wanted to get into CrossFit. Like I'd always like the look of CrossFit, but I don't, I'm not very good at like the technical stuff. So the technical lifts and I don't have much upper body strength at all. So I was always a bit put off by it. Whereas when I heard about high rocks and that, there was a lot of running involved and it was kind of primarily cardio based. I was like, well, that sounds like something I could do. Um, and yeah, I went to the classes and hooked like, yeah. I it's so good, it. but it's so hard. It is. It is really like every class. I'm like, oh my God, that was the hardest one ever. But yeah, there's quite a lot of us from the gym doing it. And I mm. was going to try and find someone to do partners, but one of the coaches at the gym basically told us all, he's like, no, you got to do solo. Yeah. Uh, see, I chose to do solo because I don't want to let anybody down. So I'm like, if I'm going to let anybody down, it'll just be me. Well, I don't want to let anyone else down. And also, I'm really competitive. So I don't want to be let down. Hold me back. Yeah, basically. Because I know that for me, the running is. So basically, most for most people, I think the running is kind of their weakness. Like, people like especially like people that go to my gym most of them hate running and I'm like you do realize you've got to run 8k during the whole thing whereas I know that 
that's one of my strengths and that I'll be able to make up some time on the running, hopefully. So you're speaking my language here because that's exactly my thoughts. Anybody who doesn't know and who's not followed uh, the couple of things I've put out, but this Hyrox is a functional fitness race. So it's eight prescribed movements, but with 1K running loops in between. And it's a race for time. So yeah, that's, that's my plan as well, John, is to build enough strength to get through the movements and pick up the time in the run because I think there is more scope to pick up. There's only so quick you can surely do bro jump burpees and all these things. So oh. hard. Yeah, need to have a catch-up episode after the competition. I'm looking forward to it and it is, if nothing else, it's forced me back to the gym, but I've got that couch to 5k type mindset about it. It's quite a humbling experience being in and being at the start of something new. Um, but yeah. the, the gym, You've got classes. You can there, go there, are, there are no classes, but there's a refurb part of the gym with a big functional fitness suite. So there's a lot of people in there. Um, I just need yeah. to actually probably get out my shell a wee bit and speak to people. See if it was a running club, I would be a chatting away and perfectly comfortable. No, I get that. I'm and just I like, oh, gym. I think, yeah, it's a shame there's no classes because that does help because obviously everyone is doing the yeah. same thing. The, um, there are some classes in Glasgow in the Glasgow area. There are affili- there are affiliated gyms, and through my ambassadorship with Lululemon, they've got a strength ambassador who's CrossFit, but they do some type classes like yeah. that as well. So I've got opportunities to go. I just need to get out my own way and actually do it. I, I'm kind of that bit where I want to get decent at it before I go. It's a competitive bit and it's stupid. No, I get that as well, but you'll probably surprise yourself like I did when I went because because of the running side of it. As long as the class has got a lot of running in it, you'll be fine. Is this something that you think you'll continue on beyond one time? I think so. Like I would definitely say as well that it's had a really good um really good impact on my running. I'd say like I've been back training properly now for a couple of months, but well, no, probably about three months now running wise, but I was doing high rocks before that and probably prioritizing that more over running. And it's definitely made, like, I definitely feel fitter because you do work so hard. Like you pretty much spend the whole class in zone four and five um, and you don't get a break. Like, yeah, it's intense, but that's how you get. How are you dealing with running through the dorms? Are you not, are you past that bit? Because I am like brutalized by it. I go to the gym usually on the Monday to do it and I can still have dorms on Thursday, like comfortably. I think that's one of those things that the more you do it, the easier it does get. So I don't really get dorms that much anymore. Like I can run the day after. Okay, um, Jordan, nobody likes to show off. <laughs> um, but yeah, the more you do it, then the less doms you get. I knew that was going to be the bloody answer. Well, I should have never asked. Keep going more. Sorry. I know, I know. There is no shortcut. It's like the running. Actually, there is no shortcut to it. You just need to right. keep keep doing it. And what lies beyond Seville then? Obviously, as a mum, your priorities completely change. The landscape completely changes. You've got Cooper and a lot going on there. Like there seems to be developments. So what's going on for you? What's going on Cooper-wise? So... I I did put it on Instagram, but it was only on my story. So I've not, it might have been missed, but I entered the ballot for Lakeland 100. I did see that. Thinking, oh, I won't get in because it's a ballot and, you know, people never get in the ballot. Um, And I got in. So <laughs> that's uh, the end of July, but that's the next year's problem. So I'm not yeah. worrying about that yet. Like we spoke about earlier, I've got other things first. So I'll worry about that 
beginning of the year. And yeah, with Cooper, I think lots of big things come in. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. Um, don't say but... anything that's going to get either of us in trouble. No, <laughs> but yeah, it's going to hopefully be a very exciting 12 months for Cooper. Yeah. And yeah, looking forward, really looking forward. It's been, I can't believe it. I've been with them now nearly a year. So yeah. I joined like November last year to help with the coaching side and it's kind of just growing from there. So now I'm, well, from October, I'm going to be full-time with them as well, which will be another challenge. Yeah. I don't have a day in a week, but yeah, looking forward to it. And it's just, yeah, it's a lovely, like a really great company to work for. And obviously, you know, Pete quite well as well. And Yeah, just through, obviously through the podcast and, and getting to know them a bit better. I just love what, they put, what they're trying to do and what the company, there is a, there's something bigger the- than they're running that I, that I appreciate. Yeah, I think it's all the other stuff that we do, like obviously the stuff with the Refugee Run Club yeah. and kind of everything with that. Like we've got on the women's, like they were on the cover of Women's Running this month. I'm actually heading down to London um, at the weekend for Vitality 10K and running it with five of our female refugees. So it's just things like that that, that Cooper do that yeah. perhaps other like running coaches or running apps like yeah don't do and it's everything else it's yeah there's a very human face on what could be a very dry technical app otherwise you know exactly and that's one of our kind of priorities is to always make sure that we're kind of people first even though we are an app and whether that's like the people that using the app people that don't use the app but we just want to help them and Yeah. yeah So Jordan, the time's come now for me to end the episode the way that we always do on Press Play and Run, which is with the quick fire questions. And then I'm going to get you to select your track for the Press Play and Run playlist, which is on Spotify. Uh, and in that, each week, the guest picks a song that very rarely would ever come out their running rotation, a song that gets them going maybe during a marathon, the hard yards, a time when you need to dig in. So we'll come to that. But before uh, we get to that, I'm going to ask you our quick fire questions. So are you ready? No. <laughs> That's the wrong answer because I'm going to ask you them anyway. On your marks, get set, go! Favourite running shoe of all time? Uh, uh, Vaporflies. Favourite training route? Oh, the triangle in Chester. There if you go. If you're in Chester, you'll know it. Proudest running moment? Ooh, I think it has to be Ultra X Jordan. I think it should be. Favourite podcast if you listen to podcasts? Um, Parenting Hell with Rob Beckett and Josh Widdicombe. Worst race or running experience? I don't, okay, worst running experience, bit of a general one, but you know, when you're out on a run in the middle of nowhere and then you need to go to the toilet, that always kind of ruins any run, but yeah. It's the most common answer to that question. There's always yeah, a, there's <laughs> a poo, poo story in every episode, practically. Um, go to pre-long run meal. So what are you fueling with ahead of, let's say, a marathon or a 20 miler? Um, I always have a bagel with peanut butter and honey. And if I'm running a marathon, I'll have two. If you could run alongside yourself as a beginner runner, what advice would you give yourself? Slow the F down. Uh, Yeah, not every run has to be a PB or faster than the one before. One inspirational Instagram profile you never skip by? Ooh, Cooper Run Coach. Can I say that? Is that allowed? It's a very corporate answer of you, but I will let you have it. Run with or without music? With music, all the time. Favourite park run? 
Oh, favourite park run. I think it's got to be Peterborough. Ferry Meadows Park Run. It's my hometown and the one I've done the most. Finish this sentence for me, please. I press play and run because... I need to get some time on my own and not have mummy, 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 mummy shouting <laughs> at me uh, constantly. Escape. It's an escape route. Yes. So last order of business, Jordan, is that I'm going to ask you to pick a track for our press play and run playlist which has become a very eclectic mix that sits on spotify and i'll share the link in the episode description for anyone who's looking for it so what would be that track that gets you going in your running that you just like to come on when you're in those hard yards so it's a song that has been on my running playlist now for like five six years every time i make a new one it always goes on there it's by galantis called runaway it's really good especially if you're doing a harder session so we'll get that added on as well the fact that i don't know it fills me with a bit of dread but the playlist can't get any worse johnny davis picked abba two weeks ago and brought it to an all-time low oh god Jordan, thank you very much for all your time. Thank you for hopping back on with me to do these questions because I'm an idiot and forgot to ask you the first time and I'll speak to you soon. No worries. Thank you. Bye. Thank you to you, the listeners, for joining us for another episode of the Press Play and Run podcast. You can really help to support the podcast by subscribing or following on your podcast platform of choice and by leaving a review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Press Play and Run Podcast and to add the Press Play and Run playlist on Spotify. We'll be back every two weeks with new episodes and please be sure to keep an eye on our Instagram page to find out which guests will be joining us. Until then, keep getting the trainers on, press play and run.